0: Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. My guest this week is Mark Penn, CEO of Stagwell Group. Stagwell completed a long-awaited merger with MDC Partners in August, and has since hit the ground running, building its leadership team and structure. The holding company, with its eyes on the big six, has assembled networks that help its agencies work collaboratively across P&Ls to deliver integrated services for clients. Penn chats about what Stagwell has accomplished in its first few months as a combined company, how the group is attracting and retaining talent in the tight labor market, and what's next on the roadmap for 2022. Hi, Mark, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today?
1: Uh, great, happy to be here.
0: Awesome so I want to talk about finally the Stagwell MDC merger has been completed you've been very busy this past fall sort of putting together your executive team and and getting the brand together so talk to me a little bit about um, the past few months and and what you're sort of focusing on for 2022 now that now that the the team and the agency is in place
1: Well I think everyone was really excited to get the merger. Closed. I think it's something I proposed over a year ago during the height of the pandemic. Uh, It went through the twists and turns of of a of a large deal, and we made it across the finish line. And I think everyone was working super hard to get there. And then, of course, there's a everybody needed a little bit of a breather. We didn't give them much. Uh, I think I think we were going to organize a central Mm -hmm. uh, a central team. Uh, across all the businesses and a business leadership team and uh, I think now we're we're set up with the organization right that to me was the first priority we had a, a really strong quarter I think coming coming out uh, after the merger and it's indicative of I think the strength of the new combined company
0: yeah and so you um just this week actually we wrote in campaign that you promoted for senior leaders to new roles. Do you feel like your leadership team is in place or are there still some key positions that you're looking to fill?
1: Well, I think the leadership team is largely in place. I think one area that I'm focusing on where you could expect some expansion is that I also announced a Stagwell Marketing Cloud. And I think you'll see a leadership team of that cloud announced relatively soon. I think You know, in terms of the president and the COO and the CFO and communications and brand officer and CMO, I think those are are all set now. And uh, we just, in fact, had a a two day retreat uh, with the top leadership and they're they're out there uh, executing every day.
0: Awesome. So talk to me about this marketing cloud. I haven't heard about this yet.
1: Well, I think our analysis of the marketplace is if I look at a typical client, about 50% of their marketing will go to out-of-house, which will go to places like Stagwell, Inc., and others. About 25% of the budget is for, like, the internal staff itself. And another 25% is is tasks that a client decides, oh, well, let's do that in-house. So what we're doing is we're building the tools for the in-house operation for those tasks that, that can be done, something like an influencer marketing platform or, you know, following your competitive brand so you, you you know kind of really how to formulate your own strategies or working in terms of how you find target audiences based on our data sets and, and algorithms. So we wanna be in the entire marketplace. We wanna be in the in the uh, marketplace where we're gonna do the creative and, and the data and where it's really complex. And we also wanna be in the do it yourself marketplace, helping both along.
0: Mm. Interesting, so this is sort of your like in-housing support play then.
1: Yes, but from a tech point of view, our in-house support will be, will will be not uh, on a, from a services perspective, but from a from an ad tech and com tech set of tools that people can deploy. That's why we call it the Stagwell Marketing Cloud.
0: Interesting, and then, and then is that something that you sell into the brand teams, and they sort of license it?
1: Yes, I think it's something that we can uh, we can really make available broadly to kind of the clients we have and out in the marketplace. Right now we're selling some of the products individually. Uh, Profit is a Comtech product that uh, takes a news release, analyzes who's likely to cover it and who's likely to cover it uh, favorably. So so in that case, it sort of helps people know where they probably should go pitching that story. And and I think it's an invaluable tool in the way that it's set up. Very impressive, you know. Aaron Quicken uh, over at Quicken really was the brainchild behind that. Uh, and and I think that uh, that's a good example where we've got an influencer marketing platform developed for P and G uh, and in, in use in their brands there. And so so if you if you're going to do influencer marketing yourself, then you really need a platform to manage it. And we're going to provide that for you.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting. You guys are, um, you're doing a few things different than the other holding companies. And, and one of them is developing your own technology and licensing it out to clients. And I would imagine that's a pretty strong revenue stream. What other ways are you sort of thinking about getting creative um, in how the holding company makes money as opposed to just providing the typical services?
1: Well, I think uh, another area of interest is right now we're, we're building a TV station, uh, it's called Reach TV. Uh, the the studio is out of uh, you know the out of the Miami area. We have about thirty five hundred screens, principally in airports. So uh, we we've particularly taken the travel market as a place where we not only generate content, but we also <clears throat> we also provide. Um, we also provide the advertising, you know, for that content because we, because we really have a specialty in airline and travel passengers. So we had 22 airline magazines. We have navigator data that when people kind of go on airline websites, it allows them to be retargeted. Uh, we have the the I think the the content that we can produce, you know, web uh, or otherwise. And now we have the the all of the screens. We picked up most of the CNN. Uh, network and airports, uh, and so that gives us really great placement. We also got the exclusive on the NFL games and airports, uh, and so that's a good alternative uh, strategy. I'm also looking at for many clients saying, you know, you really need to do more lifestyle communications uh, for people. And I'm saying, clients, you know what? We could design an entire lifestyle communication setup. Let's say, let's say you're a, a drug company, and so rather than just give people a $5 coupon let's let's instead give them real information about their interests about disease and what they can do and you know what i could probably even fund the whole thing through advertising so it would cost you nothing hmm. uh, so we're looking for unconventional models like that where people can get incredible you know roi uh, if they if they allow us to create a communications channel that communications channel furthers their marketing because it furthers engagement of their customers and can be self-funded by advertising that we can sell.
0: Interesting. And how do clients feel about you owning the media? Because I know that's come up as a point of contention in the past.
1: I think it's, it's quite different if you own broad scale media, we really own specific niche marketplaces. So like the travel, you know, like the travel industry. And so I think that provides, you know, not an area of conflict, but an area of extended expertise. Uh, that they appreciate.
0: Got it. Interesting. Um, so another thing that um, is a bit different about Sagwell is your structure and how you've sort of set up your P&Ls. I know P&Ls aren't the most exciting thing to talk about, but they are very important in the agency world and how the business functions. But, um, you know, we you have now the Donor Partners Network, the Anomaly Alliance. Talk about how you're sort of structuring the group to service clients in a more modern way.
1: Well, when I came three years ago, there were some great properties, but they weren't being managed on any kind of consistent or holistic way. And, and I think the modern marketer today needs a unique combination of services. They, they need to have creative services combined with strategy and targeting and combined with kind of intercepting um, a customer along the journey. Uh, I have the saying, I, I, I tell clients, are you, are you Coke or are you diaper? Right, mm-hmm. and by that I mean, if you're Coke and you're really going for 150 million consumers, be careful not to overemphasize the digital ec- echo structure. If you're diaper and there are only three million people having babies, well, doing broad scale TV advertising doesn't make sense anymore. You have to combine data with finding people who are going through late stages pregnancy and getting those and targeting those women with with ads, you know, at just the right time. And so what we've tried to do here is to put companies uh, in, in networks that combined, whether it's influencer marketing, whether it's research and strategy, uh, <clears throat> technology, uh, and, and creative, so that they can bring to the, the table here the right combination of services for a client that's synchronized. <clears throat> and we've taken our best leaders and said, look, don't lead one company anymore. Lead these 10 companies and this diversity of services so that you can really deliver lasting services, you know, for modern marketers. You know, and and this, I think, has been really an incredibly powerful formula. That's where the Anomaly Alliance, the Donor Partner Network, Constellation now go to market as groups and have incentives to align themselves against groups. Because when I worked at one of the bigger holding companies, the incentives were so misaligned. That a piece of new business was like feeding piranhas. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't a pleasant experience where people collaborated and cooperated. And so, I've made that a huge priority uh, in forming Stagwell.
0: And so, how do you do that? You get people <laughs> like people work for their their bonus on the performance of the entire network. Is that how that works?
1: Yeah, that means that the leadership of all the companies in uh, in a network will be bonused on the overall performance of the network. And and that changes the incentive picture for them so that the culture of collaboration is, is in line with the incentives of collaboration.
0: And so I know MDC Legacy was very much a sort of federated holding company, a lot of agency independence. That's how the business was run. Now you're sort of pushing for this more integration among the agencies. How is that going? I know it's been a couple of years now, even though the merger just closed, but you guys have been working together. But how is that going in terms of that culture mm-hmm. shift?
1: Well, I think it was, at the end of the day, a welcome sh- culture shift in the, particularly the way that that I went at it, because it really was, I, I always joke that it was an archipelago. It's a, a bunch of individual islands. They didn't even know each other, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There was no communications to... To all the employees, and, and what I've done is not what the big holding companies are doing, where they take two companies and smush them together. I think that really is is a threat to culture. What I've said is, let's keep the individual cultures at 72, at Instrument, you know, at Red Scout, but let's encourage them to work together and bring their areas of of, of diversified expertise to the table. That that's the best approach. That preserves cultures, and and in fact. We've had, like, really almost every founder re-upped in in the marketplace. And it's become, I think, a more and more enthusiastic, you know, proponent of the new Stagwa.
0: Interesting. So how are you thinking about agency culture, agency brands, um, and balancing that with the need to work more closely together as networks?
1: Well, I think everybody has to understand that there's tremendous transformation here. From the old world that was driven primarily from from tv and newspapers and magazines to the fact that it's driven now by continued use of tv with the the digital ecosystem and so that every employee has to be in in some sense a digital warrior uh, and that everyone who's got specialty skills like in doing a super bowl spot has to work together with the digital team that can design the experience that, that you know that can do the kind of the online social and and, and other things that really enhance everything that's created. So I, look, I think people see it now. I think you were if you were five or six years ago, people were very much on their own islands and putting up moats. But they realize that if they're going to be successful, that they really need to to bring together these the set of skills. That's why even for a larger client, I always say, look, you're you're going to expect a team here. Right. Of, of a lead creative. Right. A, a lead, a lead kind of researcher or analyst or or strategist. And, and then and then someone lead in kind of digital media and that any team that doesn't have like those three is probably not a complete team that's going to be able to meet the new kinds of clients needs.
0: It's mm, a good point. So how is that changing the way that you show up in pitches? I know that um, there's been a ton of pitches, big pitches in the past year. I'm sure there will be more to come. Are you pitching more as a network or um, and like how is this new model getting you into bigger pitches with global clients? Talk about how it's changed your new business positioning.
1: Yeah, I do see that we're we're moving up the ladder here in terms of assignments. And that's a very big priority for for me in terms of we've we've gotten now a two billion dollar platform with 10,000 people. We're in 68 cities. We're in 23 countries. Right. We're expanding out the global marketplace. I think right now we qualify for virtually any contract within North America. And we want to get to the size where we 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 really qualify for virtually any contract around the world. Uh, I, I think that this is we already see agencies come together in networks or other groupings. You know, RFPs are looked at centrally and we try to get kind of the right the right team and the right group of people. You know, on that on that RFP, so that they could really do the best for the client. And I think you'll see. You know, we we're seeing more and more awards of ten million dollar plus contracts. I think you saw uh, you saw us get Dunkin' Donuts recently. You saw us mm-hmm. get H and R Block recently. You saw us get the Milk campaign recently. I think we're <clears throat> we're reaching up and getting out of project work and more into this uh, coordinated, you know, long term, broader work. And I think that's a that's a that's critical for Stagwell to do. And from a client perspective, you're looking for the new kid on the block. You're looking for the people who are going to be more modern and more nimble. And I think that's opening up more pitches to us.
0: Do you find clients are looking for that? Are you in the room with the the big six more often than you were?
1: Uh, we're definitely in the room uh, with the big six. And it's it's interesting. You know, often clients often clients will talk like they want something new, but they run to something familiar. Uh, And I think that uh, that that I see that phenomenon. But then, as I said, I also see like four or five major assignments just in the last, you know, since the closing on August, August 2nd or just around that uh, uh, around there coming our way and people overcome and say, yep, you know what? I really want that 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 combination of technology and creativity that uh, that Stagwell has put together here.
0: Yeah. So talk about that combination. I mean, that's a combination that everyone's been trying to put together forever. Right. And there's been so many barriers to that for so many different reasons. Um, how I know you have the structures are in place with the P&Ls, you have the, the network set up, but culturally, are you seeing that fusion um, among these so, sort of like storied creative agencies that you have um, with more of the technical capabilities you have at Stagwell?
1: Yeah, I think specifically you see, you've seen donor work with code on the J&J account. You'll see uh, Anomaly typically working with YML, YML is probably the most technologically advanced group that we have in terms of pure engineering. Uh, You'll see uh, 72 working particularly with instrument. I think we've put together specifically those pairings. They know and trust each other. They they are working together. Uh, I think that was you know the very very critical to what happened at J and J, where we have uh, I think well over ten, close to fifteen brands now from what was an original assignment supplanting uh, a large scale relationship from one of the older holding companies that had been there for sixty five years. Mm. I think that is the winning. I think that is the winning combination. And as I said, the way we're combining it preserves the best of both cultures rather than than try to uh, create a mishmash.
0: Right, right. So talk to me a little bit about your vision for creativity at Stagwell. Um, I know you personally are a a PR politics guy um, by, by your background and Stagwell is much more on that sort of realm. Um, and and technology as well. What are you going to do with these historic creative agencies, Seventy Two, um, Anomaly, Donor? You know, what's your vision for them?
1: Yeah. Well, remember that I, I also ran all advertising at, at Microsoft for a bit, and, and uh, we we did the the advertising there. I'm well known for having done the three a.m. ad back in two thousand eight, and and uh, and and also kind of. Uh, orchestrated the Super Bowl spot. It was the first Super Bowl spot that Microsoft uh, did with a, a former uh, football player who had ALS, mm-hmm. uh, which which won number one. So I have an incredibly high respect for the 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 kind of creativity that makes a, that makes a big difference. And so I think each of these agencies has a slightly different, you know, area of specialty. I think I think seventy two is is you know creates incredibly culturally relevant uh, advertising. I think Donor likes to position itself as really understanding Main Street America. I think don't don't forget that F&B really is one of the most awarded agencies ever and turns Mm -hmm. out like amazing work with Volvo or the marriage market for, for SK-2. So I have the, even though I came a little bit more from data, I have incredibly high respect for the notion that this this creative spark, right, particularly when you have a creative spark that's in line with the strategy, mm. right, it, it is what drives campaigns. And as I expressed to the team, I think television advertising, which is now kind of going over to connected TV, has been refined as a creative art form. I don't think digital advertising online is even close to being refined. So I'm I'm encouraging them to come up with, with new creative avenues, new ways to to connect with people, uh, emotionally through the through the online process, which has been largely I think more seen as a performance marketing medium. Mm-hmm. So I'm incredibly respectful, encouraging. It's it, after all, a lot of people say, well, why are you going to take Stagwell, which has all, you know, this this growing digital stuff, and combine it with MDC? And I tell people, look, you know the big holding companies were all old-fashioned creative and not enough digital. It's why I left and went to Microsoft. The the, the consulting companies were all back-end digital and didn't have enough creative. I think by having the right balance, that is going to create you know the, the most lasting relationships and success here for clients. Mm.
0: And another area that you've pushed on is media. You created the um, forgive me, the name is escaping me, but there's another network around around the media side of the business and you've merged Ford PMX and assembly. Um, do, you, do you have enough scale there to compete with like the group Ms and the publicist medias and the Omnicom medias of the world?
1: Well, again, I think in the US we're, we're set up for virtually any assignment. Uh, and, and for larger and larger scale media. Remember we did the for example the Bloomberg for President media buy, which was a half billion dollar local buy, right? Probably one of the largest media buys in in, in the history of the country. And after all the problem with that campaign wasn't the media buy. Actually he was doing quite well on the basis of the media. Uh, a little <laughs> bit more of the debate problem. Uh, so yes, we, we have built up, you know an incredible operation. You know, we put it together so that Assembly is the lead name uh, for media, and Gale is a creative media consultancy, and uh, MMI does B2B, you know, placement of media. We manage about $5 billion of media, $3 billion of which would be online. Uh, We have global capability, particularly in the online media, and we're going to continue to expand out the, the offline, so that we have a complete offering. But but uh, we're really seeing a big pickup in that area. When I originally, you know, again, came to uh, the old company, you know, three years ago, media was declining. Uh, it was isolated. Now that we've been able to look, you know, PMX is, was a 2,500-person company that nobody heard of <laughs> with incredible <laughs> clients. When I put PMX together with Assembly, I mean, that is a several-thousand-person Media powerhouse here, uh, capable uh, of really delivering. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm pretty enthusiastic. We're seeing really good growth in the media area, and it's coming together as as I had hoped and planned.
0: So, a lot of changes in the past year for for Stagwell and MDC employees, and we're also in the midst of this great resignation that's hitting all industries across the board, including including advertising. How are you, um, you know, managing the transition for people while also making Stagwell a really exciting and attractive place to work in this really tough market?
1: Yeah, I I think we've shown flexibility uh, with people. I've kind of let the individual agencies gauge, you know, how they want to come back, you know, to 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 work. And, And their productivity has been has been really quite high during this period. And some come back more. To the office than, than others, but I think from a talent position, you know, again, we've put together a central talent group. Uh, that talent group has a database now of almost two hundred fifty thousand people who have applied. You know, it uh, can be accessed. Um, we filled positions, you know, relatively quickly. We hired, I think, you know, nearly two thousand people uh, in in the last six months, and I think pe- people see us as a company on the way up, right, uh, adapting to the. To the to the modern advertising economy, and I think that makes us a, generally speaking, a, a, a more desirable place that that we have really access to talent uh, in the marketplace because of that.
0: Is there anything that Stagwell and and agencies across the board need to do to get talent to want to work in the industry again? Like benefits, um, you know, different perks, different like outside of the box ideas. Just it seems like, you know, there really is this struggle across the board that's happening that might call for some creative thinking.
1: Well, I, I mean, I, I feel a little bit differently in the in the sense that, you know, I think advertising and marketing careers are are well kept secrets. If, if you're trying to find a career that just requires a college degree, don't have to go to professional schools that pays as much as this and is pleasant the work environment where you create things and and have intellectual freedom i think it's hard to find a career to match right i i think it's that we have to do more to just to just promote the idea that these careers and and as you well know the people in the who get to the top even 25 you know across the board of these agencies are are, are doing even far better today than typical professions uh, are doing. So, so I think this is a, a well compensated, exciting, interesting career spot. And we do, we need to do more to let people know that that's the way it is. It's a long, you know, it's a long way from the time when, when advertising companies were, were more sweatshop environments. They're, they're not.
0: Okay. I don't know if people would agree with that, but maybe some of them. <laughs> are.
1: I hope they're not at our place. <laughs>
0: Um, well, another, another, um, interesting thing is you guys have really invested in your headquarters at one world trade. Um, is that a bet on the office in the future? Like what's your vision for hybrid work? I know you said you're letting the agencies take the lead, but what's your overall Um, strategy?
1: Uh, my, my overall view on this is that this is an on the job training profession. Just, just to continue that thought you you come to this profession and maybe you took a course maybe even not maybe you, you you know you you majored in something related in english or statistics or whatever it's related to the, the field that you you go into but you're primarily going to get trained and become more valuable with on the job training and so at the end of the day that means that means working together in teams and learning from people who are 5 and 6 years ahead of you so that's why I, I, I would bet that the office is going to come back here over time. What we did was that we had 13 different locations. And that to me was was crazy. Like, I can't get a collaborative, cooperative culture with everybody going back to their, their own office individually. So we brought those all together. We now have seven floors in the World Trade Center. We call I call it our campus. You know, we have the cafeterias. We're going to put in the... Kind of cross you know the professional learning once i have 1500 people together i can put in great professional learning that no one could do individually i could put in great kind of fun stuff that to meet their co-workers whether it's a cooking class or or yoga or, or what have you right or i could do really serious you know serious panels and discussions. so bringing people together and leveraging that is is what i think creates the right kind of culture for cooperation with the client. If you don't cooperate internally with your coworker, you are never going to cooperate externally.
0: So how do you make that happen? How do you get 1,500 people together again? And if you can't, what's the alternative?
1: Um, I think they're trickling back. You know, I think I, I'm I'm not worried. And you know what? If they're together only three days a week, that's fine, too. Uh, I don't think we're going to a fully diversified. And I also do believe in cluster working. Uh, I have worked in in clusters. You know, I had teams in in Seattle when I was in Washington, and and I had a sub team in Washington before or, or even now. So so I do believe that if we get clusters of people, but but I'm not that worried. I think the agencies are are doing well in terms of productivity. I think they're going to bring people back gradually. It may not be five days a week, but they're going to bring them back so that the particularly new people. Entering the companies, don't find, you know, don't, you know, get the professional training that's going to make them more valuable. Otherwise, their careers are not going to grow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that everyone's still sort of we haven't hit that point yet where people are noticing that their careers aren't growing by working from home. So that is definitely a factor. Um, I wanted to ask you about politics because I know that's a big part of your background and, and focus for you. what do you? There's been just record political ad spending, and especially as it shifts to digital and CTV, how do you see that shaking out as the next midterm cycle hits, the next presidential election? What's your view on the future of, of political advertising?
1: Well, as you know, about 10% of our business is in the advocacy field. Uh, we have some particular strengths, particularly in, in fundraising, uh, and, and then campaign strategy and, and some of the advertising. Uh, and of course, this is a growing marketplace. I mean, I used to say, uh, I used to say always when I was in politics full time, well, we, we spend more on marketing a hamburger than we do our political campaigns. (laughs) Now I can say we spend more on our political campaigns while they've cut back on those hamburger budgets. Uh, And uh, and I think the, the I think it was seven billion dollar, I think or up to seven billion dollars. Uh, what, what's really happening is each midterm is the equivalent of the last general. So I think you're going to see you know uh, uh, another really significant, and then you significant kind of first a plateau to the last presidential and then a jump up to the next presidential. particularly when you have 50/50 congresses, particularly when you have, or we'll have, in effect, an open seat for president. Uh, this is a developing area. I, I've always found it to be incredibly challenging, fascinating, and, and of course, meaningful.
0: Yeah, is there, do you see just like, I mean, it's, it's following the same trends as, as all sort of media consumption habits, right? Like streaming, CTV, um, digital, are, are those same trends playing out, and how are they either similar or different in the political realm?
1: Well, again, they're they're somewhat different in that. And you go to my Coke or diaper analogy, you're, you're generally uh, putting trying to put together the right combination of mass messaging and individualized targeting, and so that you wouldn't want to be all individualized targeting because you really have to get out a kind of a mass message, you know, through uh, through uh, more generalized TV. Oftentimes, you can do that by by holding events or have media appearances and get, you know, be very effective in the in the earned media. And then, of course, uh, how finely you target. I was the originator of what became called Soccer Moms. Uh, I've always been, you know, I've written two books on microtrends uh, in which you, I kind of carve up the, the country into 50 or 75 kind of smaller messaging, you know, type niches, so I've always been a big fan. Uh, of that kind of strategy. Uh, you know, a lot of it in politics depends how close the race is. The closer the race is, the more that last swing voter, you know, matters, uh, you know, more, or the more, uh, turnout matters and the more you're going to see that kind of targeted, uh, that kind of targeted expenditure.
0: Hmm, interesting. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mark. It's been great to pick your brain about all things to well. And, um, Hope to have you back on soon.
1: Thank you, and I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I think, I think Stagwell really comes out after the merger here. It's really the first company to get to this kind of scale, right, and be able to provide this kind of range of services, and yet it'd be this, this just right combination of, of creativity and technology. And I hope it will continue to see great adoption in the marketplace. Thank you again.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what you guys do in 2022. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.